0: several friends on um, Facebook that thought it was really funny that I had knee surgery and then was promoting a series called Walk This Way. <laughs> they found that. They said, well, what way is that, Steve? Is it like, is it like this or like that? But uh, I'm, I'm walking well. Again, thank you for your prayers. I'm healing well. I'm actually going to try to preach standing up today, if, if that's okay with you. We've been in a series the last few weeks called Walk This Way, and we're looking at this incredible opportunity that we have to walk with God. And uh, again, if you have never invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, if you have never invited him into your life to be your guide and your Lord, man, I just want to encourage you today to really consider that. Think about this. You never have to walk alone. And you know why that's so important? It's so important for a thousand different reasons. But can I give you one today? Sometimes the path gets scary. Amen? Every once in a while, life gets really scary. In fact, you know, let's rewind the tape. Just over a year ago when the announcement was first made about this virus that was starting to sweep across uh, Europe and and, and Asia and and was making its way here, and then, man, when it finally hit our country and and we began to see the effects of it, the fear that began to set in for so many and and the way that it altered our lives, And, and all of a sudden, people became fearful about their health, fearful about people they loved, fearful about the economy. That was that was struggling, fearful about their jobs and whether they're going to be gonna keep them. Fear of the unknown of what is all in the, what in the world is all of this going to lead to and what is going to happen. So much so much fear, but yet even when the path gets scary, we find that we don't have to endure this by ourselves. We can have the presence of Almighty God. Amen. Take your sermon outline out. Walk walk with me for a little bit today. As we talk about this, I want to look at a passage of Scripture um, that will be very familiar to a lot of you if you grew up around the church or are just familiar with the Psalms at all. In Psalm 23 and verse 4 from the New Living Translation, it just has a great, a great Scripture. Read it out loud with me. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. You are close beside me. Yeah, you know, I, I spent a little bit of time this week when I was working on this message just thinking about the, the effects that fear has uh, on our lives. And can I, can I give you just a few, just some, of the, just some basic facts about fear? Um, you may have experienced or had, uh, come to understand some of these on your own. First one is fear exaggerates reality. Fear exaggerates reality. Fear makes things seem louder, bigger, uh, more complicated than 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 they really are. Um, it's so funny. i going in to have my knee operated on, and then I had a, my annual had an annual physical last week, and uh, I have what's called white coat syndrome. Anybody know what white coat syndrome is? Anybody else suffer from white coat syndrome? It's like I'm usually a pretty relaxed person until I go see a doctor and then my blood pressure elevates and, and for some reason I have this great anxiety. Now, Backstory on that is I grew up in a home that family that never went to doctors or dentists. Um, In fact, my mother was scared to death of doctors and dentists. My mother would tell me uh, when she would talk, somebody would talk about going to the dentist. I can still remember my mom saying, I'm not going to the dentist. Do you know how many people die in a dentist chair every year? Now, can you imagine being a kid growing up in that environment? Man, I, you know, and, and 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 no kidding, I mean, Wanda could tell you after we got married about, about all the fun stuff that she had trying to get me to go to a dentist. In fact, when I left Chartel the first time and went to Olathe, Kansas, um, our dentist, we had an office suite uh, just in, in the second story of an office building, and our dentist was downstairs. And Wanda, I I had such a reputation for canceling dentist appointment and and, and missing them or forgetting about them that Wanda would literally, kid you not, she would call the dentist office and ask the nurse to go upstairs to my office and say, Pastor Steve, it's time for you to come downstairs now. You know, that was that, that fear I had. You know, and but see, when you get when you have fear like that, it just it just makes everything seem worse. It just, it's so loud, it just makes everything seem scarier and bigger and louder and all that kind of stuff. Fear exaggerates reality. Fear can paralyze us. Fear has a paralytic quality to it. So funny, my uh, grandson, Maddox, is so excited because he's seen the new trailer for King Kong versus Godzilla that's coming out uh, in in the spring, and he wanted to show it to me. He He said, Grandpa, he said, have you seen the new trailer? And he was showing it to me. And I said, man, I remember seeing King Kong and Godzilla back when they made them out of those claymation, you know, kinds of things back in the day. And uh, so he's all excited about this. Then he asked me a question, and I thought this was so funny what he observed. He said, Grandpa, he said, have you ever noticed in, 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 in monster movies like that, have you ever noticed that when people try to get away, they fall down? And I said, yeah. He said, it's so crazy. He said, every time people are ready, said, they just fall down. He said, why is that? And that's when I, and I said, you know what? I said, fear has this paralytic quality to it. I said it starts making us paralyzed and people try to run, I said, but they get so scared their legs won't move and they just, they just fall. And that's what happened to us isn't it? it happens to us, isn't it? when we, when we become afraid, whatever it is, our, our minds begin to freeze and we can't really think and, and, and our voice kind of stops. We can't really talk and we can't move, and it just has that paralytic part of it. Fear can paralyze us. Fear is hard on us. Physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually, fear is hard on us. Um, People who have a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear, uh, it takes its toll on them. It, takes, it, it, it stresses the mind. It strains the body. Uh, people who have a lot of fear, they often overreact in their relationships, and, and it causes a lot of problem for them relationally. And obviously, when, when fear is taking over your life, it, it's hard for you to be able to, to really trust and lean into God. We'll circle back to that in a, a little bit, which kind of gets me to the next one. Fear, fear strangulates faith. Fear strangulates faith. The the, the more fear that builds up in our life, the more it pushes our ability to have faith out. Um, Fear will choke the faith right out of you. Let me give you one more, another fact about faith. and I'll bet some of you have discovered this. What we fear is almost never as bad as we fear it to be what we fear is almost never as bad as we fear it to be. Have you discovered that? Uh, you know, there's a, 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 some studies that go on about, about fear and the things, and you probably have read that the statistic that says 90% of what you fear never happens. And the 10% that does happen is usually never as bad as you have imagined it to be. And that, that, that's a, a fact of life. You know, so much of what we are afraid of never really comes about. And the things that do come about that really aren't, are, are, are fairly manageable or we find a way to make it through it. Think about, think with me this morning for just a second about what would your worst nightmare be? You're, you ever have one of those dreams where in your dream, um, all of a sudden, you're standing up in front of a crowd of people and you're there standing in your underwear? You know, or something where you're just, you know, something bizarre like that and you just, you know, you're just kind of like, oh, you know, how could they, you know, you and you, you always or you you have these these fears that something crazy like that's gonna happen. Great story if you haven't seen it. How many are you friends on Facebook with Lindsay Farmer? Anybody? Oh my gosh. Lindsay wrote a story this week that I thought was so awesome, and she gave me permission to share her story. Thursday morning, Lindsay is a mother of four. Uh, she, she's an audiologist and a um, very busy lady, a mother of four. You can imagine homeschools kids, her, her and Bubba are homeschooling kids, so they've got all these things happening. And uh, Thursday morning, she was going into work. She gets up and, and she you know, gets everything arranged on the couch. She's got her socks and shoes. She's got her purse. She's got her lunch. She's got her water bottle, You know her water for the day. She's got her day planner. She's got all the stuff and she's gathering things up. And of course, like most moms, she's, you know, running right on schedule and has to get out. So she gathers all of her stuff up. She gets in her car and she's zooming across town to work. She gets almost to work. And all of a sudden, she makes this horrible discovery. She has forgotten to put on her socks and shoes. She's barefoot. She's barefoot. And she's driving into the office to meet with patients, and she's barefoot. And she's like, "How can I do this? How, how, how in the world? And what what do I do?" And, and and she's panicking. And now she it's too it's too late. She doesn't have time to turn around and go all the way back home. And and, and so she, she calls her office, talks to her secretary, and and uh, she said, "Is my first client there yet?" And uh, and it was like 25 hours. She had like five minutes, you know, to get there. And she, I said, she said, "Is my first client there?" That and she said, "Yes, of course. They're already there." And uh, she goes, "Now what? You know, what am I going to do?" And so she pulls over and she's scrambling, looking through the car. And she goes, "Maybe, just maybe, there's a pair of shoes somewhere in the car." And she she scrambles She finds her son Jace's. She finds an old pair of Jace's shoes um, from years ago that he had that she had in the car to give away to a, a, to donate to a, a place. And she puts them on there. It's like size three. And so she's trying to get her, wiggle her foot in these kid-sized shoes. And it's like, she said, picture the Cinderella story of the sisters, you know, trying to get their foot in the glass slipper, and it's way too small. She goes, that's what it looked like. She goes, I'm trying to wiggle my foot in there. She goes, I can't get it out. I'm scrambling. What am I going to do? Now she's at 10th Street, and she decides, only thing she can do, she zooms down the street to the dollar store. And decides she's going to try to find a pair of shoes. So she gets to the dollar store in a rough, rough part of town. She gets out of the car. She said there's like 10 or 11 men standing there in the parking lot. She's got these two size three shoes stuck on the balls of her feet. And she goes, I'm clopping, tiptoeing across the parking lot. You know, just clop, 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 clop. She said, I sound like a horse running into the dollar store. All these people are staring at her like, what the heck is going on, you know? She gets into Dollar General and she's praying, you know, please have a pair of shoes somewhere. She's looking through Dollar General and she finally finds a pair of men's house shoes that she can wear. So she clop, clop, clops up to the counter. Obviously, the clerk is checking her out. This woman is going, okay, you know, and, and and she gets these house slips and finally makes it to work 20 minutes late. Now, she's telling this story on Facebook. I'm, I'm, everybody who reads this is dying laughing. We're all like, this is our worst nightmare, you know, that this, this has happened. But you know what? What was funny to me in all of this is like, that's the worst thing you could think of that would hap- you know, happen to you in some, some kind of scenario like that, that you would get almost to work and realize you have no shoes. But guess what? Lindsay survived. Lindsay survived and it actually gave the world a great laugh on facebook that day all that to say this fear sets in on us and sometimes we forget that these things that we fear most of it doesn't really even happen but even the things that do guess what we find a way to plow through it does that make sense to you now i want to i want to i want to talk to you I'll give you a couple of thoughts today When your path gets scary, and here's what I know, gang. For some of you, you're walking on that scary path right now. You're walking at a place and you've had some not so good news from the doctor. You're walking in that place where you are really fearful about your finances Uh, Some of you are in relationships with people that you have some great anxiety and fear about. Um, What I know for a fact as a pastor is that there are a lot of us that are walking on roads right now, and our hearts are filled with fear. And so what do you do when you find yourself on that path and the path gets scary? Can I give you just a couple of thoughts to help you today? Here's the first one. Talked about this before. Want to touch on it again today. Feed your faith, not your fear. Feed your faith, not your fear. If I could give you one gift, if I could give you one tool, If I could give you just one thing and you'd say, Pastor Steve, what will help me, really help me in times when I become bound by fear? What can really help me be this one thing? Feed your faith, not your fear. Uh, In Philippians 4, Paul was writing this letter from jail, not sure what was going to happen to him, but as he writes this letter of encouragement to the Philippian church, he he says, hey, here's one thing you got to learn, whatever's true. Whatever is noble, whatever is good, whatever is admirable, if there is anything praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things, and the peace of God will be with you. Does that make sense to you? Paul's saying, you know what, wherever your mind goes, that's where your feelings go. And so if you can change what you're thinking about and and feed your faith, he says, what can begin to happen is that your your faith can begin to return and then you you can begin to push the fear to the side. The more you focus, look at me, the more you focus on fear, the bigger the fear becomes. The more you focus on faith, the bigger your faith Becomes. You want a great illustration? Matthew chapter fourteen. You remember the story? Jesus uh, has just fed the the people. The disciples are going across the lake in the boat. He told him he'd join them later. Middle of the night, um, he comes walking on water. They see him on the water. They get scared to death. They thought it was a ghost, and they're yelling. You know, they're fearful. Jesus says, "Hey, don't worry. It's me." And then Peter has this bright idea. Peter says, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you on the water. I always laughed at that because I thought that would have never occurred to me. You know, tell, you, tell me to come out on the water. And so what does Jesus say to Peter? Come on, big boy. Come on to me. And so what happens? Peter steps over and look at, read, on your outline. Follow with me there, Matthew 14. It says, so Peter Went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus. But look at what happens. He's walking toward Jesus. His eyes are on Jesus. But look at what happens next. Read it out loud with me. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Now, that is exactly what happens to us. Exactly what happens to us. We fix our eyes on Jesus, we're walking toward Jesus, we're walking on faith, but then we take our eyes off and we start focusing on the fear. We start focusing on the wind, the waves, the problems, what might happen, what's probably going to happen. Oh no, what I know is going to happen. And as we do that, guess what? We began to sink. And if you feel today like you're going down for the last time, feed your faith, not your fear. Psalm so 119.50. I love this verse. Read it out loud. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. Now, I want to, my next thought is really kind of a tangent thought to that. And when, I, when I thought about it, I thought, let me, let me take that part and help you just a little bit further. And here's the thought I want to give you. Name your fear to claim your promise. Name your fear to claim your promise. Now, again, look at me for a second. So what are you really afraid of? That's a great question. When fear is coming in, what are you really afraid of? Because if you can name that fear. If you can really give it a name, if you can really identify what it is, don't miss this. You can find a promise of God that can help you with that. God's word is filled with incredible promises. Amen. And and if you can name what fear you really have. And, and again, rather than just saying, you know, I, I just need to read the Bible more. Yeah, you do. But you know what? If you know what your fear is, you can find the verses that you need. You can find the promises that you need to hold on to in the middle of whatever it is that you are going through. I love what, I love what Psalm 1830 says. Read it out loud with me. He says, all the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to Him for, for protection. So you say, Well, Pastor Steve, what are you talking about? So, well, what's your fear? Maybe, maybe, maybe your fear. Um, I was talking with a friend this week who was going through a, a broken relationship. And, um, and, and as we talked about what he was really afraid of, it really came down to this he didn't want to be alone. He didn't want to be alone and you know what you know what, what a great promise what, what does God say I will never leave you or forsake you his name shall be called what Emmanuel which means what church God with us you see if you can identify that my fear is I don't want to be alone you can find the promises of God that remind you you know what you are never alone or maybe your fear is a fear of inadequacy. Maybe you feel like you're, you're supposed to, um, you know, you've been asked to, to teach a class or, or share your story or give a testimony or, or you feel this nudge and, uh, to, to step up and do something in ministry and you're going, you know, I don't have the ability to do that. Well, of course you don't. God doesn't call you because you have that ability. He calls you because he has that ability. And you find the promise where he talks about God is our sufficiency. And when I know that God is my sufficiency, I'm not worried so much about who I am. Or maybe you're worried about your health. Maybe you're facing that health crisis. Maybe you've gotten some scary news from the doctor. And as you're facing that, you know what? We we need to go back and remember who our God really is. Because one of the names that have been given to God is Jehovah Rapha, which means what? The Lord who heals us. I love in Mark chapter 9 when Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration and has a father who is so concerned about his son who has these seizures and no one seemed to be able to do anything, and the Father's like, you know, if you, can, if you can do something, and Jesus says, what do you mean if I can do something? All things are possible. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Say that with me. With God, all things are possible. Look at me. I don't care what your health issue is. I don't care what it is you're facing. Our God is bigger than the issue that you have. Amen? Amen? You better believe it. Or maybe you're struggling with addictions or habits that you can't break, and you keep going. You know, Lord, I can't. I can't do this. I don't have the strength to break these. chains. no, of course you don't. But Philippians four thirteen reminds us that what I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Or maybe, maybe you get the worst news that this life can give you. You're going to die. Now look at me, you know I love you, but one day all of us will die, amen? amen? Nobody makes it out of here alive. Is there any promises in God's word about what to do when we're facing death? Don't you remember what Jesus said to Martha and Mary? I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. You you see what I'm doing? And what I want to teach you in this is this ability that we have to, 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 if we can name our fear, then we can claim our promise. I put a statement on your outline. The promises of God are the steadying rod that can keep us balanced, man, when fear sets in. great picture. If you have a fear of heights, this is not going to be for you. Throw that up on the screen for me. That crazy man right there, his name is Felipe Pettit. Felipe was um, kind of a high-wire guy. He was a bit of a daredevil. August 7th, 1974, uh, just as the Twin Towers uh, were completed in New York, He got some inside help from some people who had access to the roof, and starting even a couple of months out, he began to get supplies up there, and eventually, on on August 7th, uh, he had, they had, with help, he had strung a high wire between the Twin twin Towers. Now, that's uh, over 1,300 feet up. That's over a quarter mile up, and he walked across, back and forth between the Twin Towers. Did it a number of times before. Before he obviously got arrested. What's he holding in his hands? It's not a trick question. Is the big, what's he holding? A big one. That pole that he's holding, that's like almost 30 feet long. It's like 28 feet long. It weighs 55 pounds. Now, why in the world, when you're up on a wire, a quarter mile up in the air, why in the world do you also want to carry a 30-foot pole that weighs 55 pounds? Believe it or not, it helps him stay balanced that weight and you'll notice he has it down low he puts it down to keep a low center of gravity and he keeps as he keeps that that forces his feet it gives him extra extra weight for his feet to push down into the wire it also kind of offsets if he if he rocks one way or the other the weight of the pole actually helps keep him upright that pole is not an added detriment to what he's doing that pole is actually a steadying rod that he can hold onto as he walks across the wire now put that image in your mind take out your phone Take a picture of it if you need to. Carry it with you this week because what I'm showing you is this is what the promises of God are for. God does not promise you you're going to be escape from having to walk across wires like that. God never promises you that scary paths aren't going to be a part of your journey. But God has given you strong and true promises that you can hold on to that will balance you as you walk across the high wires in your life. Amen. Ah, That was worth the price of admission this morning, I promise you. Name your fear. Claim your promise. Let me give you one more. Stay courageous. Stay courageous. We all too often... Pray for God to remove the fear. When probably what we really need to be praying is for God to give us the courage to keep walking. When they are heading into the promised land in Joshua 1, here was the word of the Lord to Joshua. This is my command. Read it with me, church. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Back to the verse that we had for today. Read our verse again out loud. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? Because you are close beside me. Here's what I put on your outline. God doesn't promise that you won't have scary paths, but he does promise that you'll never be alone. I texted Lindsay after I read her story and asked her if I could use it for my message today. And she texted me back and said, yeah, she she thought she could use a good laugh at herself too. And then she texted me back and she said, so what are you preaching on Sunday? Why do you want to use this story? And I texted her back and I said, I'm preaching about fear. And then Lindsay wrote me back a little later that day. And she said, it's so ironic that you're preaching on fear. Because fear has been my constant companion." And then she wrote me about her journey, and I want to read this to you today because I think it'll help you. Sit back, relax, listen to Lindsay's story. She said, I went in for my yearly doctor's visit in November where they do the typical checkup and blood work. That day, the doctor asked for permission to run a blood panel to roll out hepatitis C as they are doing that more routinely with supposed cases rising. I shrugged and said, sure, knowing good and well, I didn't have that. Well, you guessed it. The antibody test came back positive, and they wanted to do a second blood draw since the antibody test can give a false positive. As I was sure that was the case in my situation, I returned for another blood test, only to have it come back positive as well. The doctor began asking about previous recreational needle drug use, promiscuous sexual behavior, accidental needle pricks, blood transfusion, about my family, any family members with hepatitis C. The whole tone of the conversation made me feel dirty, cheap, and stigmatized, being suddenly I was embarrassed and ashamed for this diagnosis because that's only something those people get. I told her that I had zero of those risk factors to which she. Pretty much brushed me off and recommended I be seen by a specialist who, after calling for an appointment, could not get me in until January 26th, which was Tuesday of this past week. I've only told three people about this because of my embarrassment and my fear. For two months, I have racked my brain trying to figure out where I could have gotten this while researching and learning every little detail about hepatitis C. I've joined Facebook groups, read research studies, listened to other patients' stories, and looked into the not-so-fun temporary and permanent side effects of all the different drugs that are currently being prescribed to treat it. It has had me so totally wrapped up in fear all the time with all these what-ifs. I even began seeing a natural doctor for some natural treatments out of Texas, searching for something to help treat this diagnosis and treat my liver. Tuesday, I saw the specialist who did further blood work to determine the viral load again and determine what strain I had, more waiting for test results, which can make you do crazy things, like leaving the house on a cold 35-degree January morning barefoot without even noticing in the last five years, as you well know, she goes, I've gone through the loss of my mother who lost her leg due to diabetic complications, who was diagnosed with kidney uh, kidney cancer and had multiple hospital stays involving me being her primary take, caretaker in the last year of her life. During that same year, Bubba and I lost a baby while three months pregnant. Then we were suddenly and unexpectedly, we suddenly and unexpectedly lost my father-in-law who went in for a routine heart stent surgery. That unexpectedly clogged the next day when he returned home causing a massive heart attack. Three months after losing him I gave birth to two four pound premature twins who had a faint, uh, fairly lengthy uh, uh, NICU stay after being, and being discharged at two weeks only then only to receive the diagnosis of having RSV one week later. Due to the severity of that illness, Everly was hospitalized, and two days later, Emerson was. Emerson's systems were so much worse, so much more severe, they sent her and myself to Wichita for two weeks since the ICUs in Oklahoma City were all full. She and I were in the hospital up there, and Bubba and Everly were in the hospital here for two weeks, which felt very touch and go with two very scary moments where we almost lost Emerson. My dad contracted cancer through all of this and went through the roller coaster of being told that he had it, and then he didn't, and then returning with a vengeance for us only having said goodbye to him last year, this month. Bubba had a fairly involved neck surgery. Everly broke her leg at seven months, which involved putting her in a body cast from her chest to her ankle, which is a blast changing diapers in. I broke my arm and had to navigate being a one-handed mother to four, six weeks with a husband who worked 60 plus hours a week, and I could go on and on and on, probably like every other person on the face of the earth. I have come to expect crisis and tragedy, and I have to confess that I am guilty of walking through life tiptoeing and holding my breath, bracing myself for all the chips to fall again, fearful. Fearful of what will happen next. So I just assumed that this hepatitis C diagnosis was my next plight. Fear does crazy things to you. And through it all, I have learned that while nearly impossible to control, the fear itself does not change the outcome of the situation. In the moment, the fear can be quite paralyzing, stopping you dead in your tracks But gosh, what great perspective it gives you when you come out on the other side of those situations which made you so fearful. Bub and I have had numerous deep conversations regarding the loss and the curveballs that life throws at you. We have totally adopted a new outlook on life knowing that there are no promises and plans are certain to change. We no longer wait to do things down the road knowing that down the road, is not guaranteed I changed jobs for one I love allowing him to get out of one that was extremely stressful slowly and quite literally killing him one day at a time we pulled our kids out of school and now homeschool so that we can have greater influence over their life and more quality time with them we bought land in the country that we've always wanted deciding not to wait till later because we want to enjoy it now We work to make time for our kids, for our friends, to visit family, and to go on vacation, to make memories, and to try to enjoy and relish all the small moments and opportunities gifted to us each day. Yes, we have been through many tough times, but in spite of it all, we are immensely blessed. Today, I received the last of the blood test results from Tuesday saying that the antibody test was negative, the viral load was undetected, and the viral strand was indeterminate, and the liver function was normal. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. She said, I struggle with saying things like, God chose to heal me. After all of the crises and heartache we have been through, I really do not understand why some are healed and some are not, and why some situations are resolved in the way we would like and others are not. I don't know if my test results were the natural treatments that the natural treatments work and that it took care of the virus or if God just decided to show off but I do know this I give God all the credit for being the orchestrator of this outcome and every other large and small detail of my life and while I would like to tell you that I will never be fearful again I am trying consciously to change my perspective and see all the little beautiful blessings in the everyday happenings of life. And today, I am thanking God for this news. If you're walking on a scary path today, you are not walking alone. There are many like Lindsay who are walking down some of the same scary trails that you find yourself on. And you know what? Not only do you have other people who are sharing your experience, you have a God who will never leave you or forsake you. Here are our verse again. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Whatever your fear today, whatever shadow has been cast over the path that you're walking on, wherever it is you're feeling a little bit fearful or a little bit afraid, today, let's take just a moment. Lay those fears before God. Ask Him to fill your heart with faith. Ask Him to help His promises to be that steadying rod that you can hold on to no matter what path you're walking. And today, say, Lord Jesus, no matter what I go through, I am going to trust You. Well, Father, that's our prayer today. As we come before you, you know the path that every single one of us is on. You know the scary parts of that journey. You know exactly what we're walking through and what shadow is being cast across the path that we find ourselves on. You know the fear that has gripped our hearts. You know, Lord, how some of us, even this past week, literally shook in our boots thinking about what was ahead. But, Lord, your promise is not that you would make the scary path go away, but that even when we walk through life's darkest valley, we don't have to be afraid because you are with us. And so Lord, today I pray that you would put your hand on every single shoulder here, every single shoulder of every person watching this online, that today, Lord, you will breathe into them a fresh dose, dose of courage, that they would know today that you will hold their hand, that you will walk with them step by step all the way to the other side. Lord, help us to cling tightly to the promises of your word. Help us to focus on faith and not so much on fear. Help us to hold on to your hand. Lord, we thank you for the faith that we have. We thank you for how we have trusted you thus far. But, but Lord, that song really is our prayer. Today we're asking for the grace to trust you even more. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for walking with us every step of the way. And it's in your precious name that we pray today. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Amen.